This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Karankawa people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of that nation, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mix Auntie Maine, the Busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom mask making Gulf Coast Cosmos comic book co owning Asian American Podcasters Association's Golden Crane Award winning podcaster in this podcasting game. This is episode 149, and my guest today is Leah Ko. They're a recent listener of the show in, in like the last six or so months, and they've been dealing with their own mixed race identity investigation over the last few years. And I got to meet them on a social distancing hangout a couple months ago. I don't really attend those anymore because I work on Sundays and I don't really have the time to engage anymore. But when I can, I pop in and I was able to meet her on one of those. Uh, we had a really good conversation, so I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Like, I, like I'm always excited about sharing. I do have a couple of announcements that I want to squeeze into this intro because none of these were in the place where I could talk about them yet last week and I kind of don't want to wait until next week for the solo thing so I'm going to try to squeeze it in real fast. I am planning the first Militantly Mixed virtual conference in March. It'll take place on March 19th. It'll be an all-day event and I am in the process of lining up speakers for the different categories of times so I will be able to, to provide more details about that in the future but I just wanted to let you know that we are going to have a conference, a virtual conference, coming up on March 19th, 2022. The next thing I want to talk about is I am planning a tour, if I can afford it. <laughs> um, so far, it looks like a one-city tour, but I'm going to try to do a multiple-city tour. Uh, back in 2019, if you've been with me for a while, you know that I was really getting excited about doing a tour, a militantly mix on the road, and I had gotten a taste of it in Sacramento, California, and Rockland because I had done a live in front of audience taping of Militantly Mixed with a, a guest, Clarmundo Sullivan, who was a, a huge HIV activist in the 80s, 90s, and actually continues to be, who happens to also be mixed. We did a live in front of an audience taping at the Lavender Library in Sacramento, California, which was an amazing venue to be able to do that. A long-standing queer library in Sacramento, a place, a safe space for queer people in Sacramento to have gone to for the last 30 years. So I got, the bug got bit there. And then I got to do some live in front of student tapings um, at Sierra College in Rockland, California. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this tour, the podcast thing. And then the panorama hit in 2020. And that was my plan. I was going to try to do once every couple months, I was going to try to go somewhere to a new city and do something. I'm ready to get that back going. I already know that there's some traveling I'll be doing in 2022 related to my comic book shop. And it just so happens that there's some alignment with a couple of those cities and the highest download cities that I have for the show. Right now, my top six downloaded cities are in no particular order are Seattle, Los Angeles, Chicago, Toronto, New York, and Atlanta. 
Those six cities are consistently where I get the highest downloads. The seventh city would be London. Um, so if I can do that, I would love to do that too, but I can't, I don't think I can afford it anytime soon. And so that, the, that is a goal. I would like to do some militantly mix on the road, live tapings in the cities that I get the highest downloads so that those of you who listen to the show will get a chance to see it in person. And if I happen to have guests from those cities that have been on the show in the past, I would like to welcome them to the dais with me to basically do that live episode with them. So that is the goal. As of right now, I already know that I am traveling for sure to Atlanta in September. So Atlanta will be one of those cities. It's possible I'm going to be in Seattle in December 2022. So that might be one of the cities. And it's possible that I might be in New York in October 2022. So that at least those three cities might be more possible because I already know that I'll be traveling to those cities and what months I'm going to be traveling to those cities. So if you would like to see a uh, live Militantly Mix on the Road, holla at your main. Let me know in the Instagram and the Twitters and the Facebooks and the emails so that I can, I can you know, get a gauge for whether or not we'll have a, a nice turnout for it. And then, you know, if y'all know people who have venues, small black box theaters or coffee houses or bookstores or something like that, that have a meeting space, holla at your main. And I think that's kind of where I'll start. Um, doing it through the community. A lot of people offer to help, but because I run this as a business, I can't always get just like help. But what I could get is scouting locations and hookups between people who know people so that I can, you know, do those, make those deals happen. So if you'd like to see Militantly Mix on the Road in 2022 between June and December, holla at you, man, and let's, let's make this happen. Let's make the tour happen. Um, that's pretty much... There's a couple other things I want to talk about, but I'm not going to have a whole lot of time. The militantlymix.com merch tab for our merchandise is back up and running. Uh, Well, it was still running, but for some reason, a couple of the t-shirts went down. I think the the base t-shirt from the printing company that I use um, went away, so they took those t-shirts away. I was able to put those onto new shirts, new base shirts, and get those back up on the website. Um, so mixed in hella Asian and mixed in hella queer and mixed in hella black. I'm going to be working on a new design for mixed in hella black because I lost the original design and I don't like the replacement design that I did. So I'm going to be working on a different one for that and I'll get that back up. I'm still looking for indigenous designers and um, Latine designers for the um, those mixed in hella shirts. And so that I don't have those up yet. But I do have a new shirt for practice radical self-care. While it's not specifically related to mixedness it is related to all of our experiences in that you know for some crazy ass reason to advocate for yourself and for your mental health gets treated like it is the weirdest most alien thing to do and so athletes like Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles get mistreated because they decide to choose themselves over Um, toxic environments over terrible mistreatment just because they are at the highest level of their sports. Um, You also see it in actors, you see it in newscasters, you see it across the board where people are told to just shut up and play or just shut up and do whatever it is that we know you for. If you're an actor, just shut up and act. If you're an athlete, just shut up and play. Um, And I, I, I want to throw my support 
for people who do choose themselves and their mental health, um, because I know it's hard for us, I do, and I know that our, our cultures teach us not to do it, and it really doesn't make any sense. I mean, just the idea that to take care of yourself is radical <laughs> is ridiculous. So I do have a shirt out for that right now on the Militantly Mixed website as well. And I'm going to get a couple more designs up over the course of the next uh, couple months. Some of them will be directly related to mixedness and some of them will just be as a result of our experiences and stuff that'll come up. Um, and I'll try to expand that a little bit more. I had a lot of fun with the new Be Your Mixed Ass Self t-shirt, fundraiser t-shirt for 2022. So I think, um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to think I'm going to do that. So yeah, head on over to militantlymixed.com, click on the merch tab and you'll be able to pick up your Militantly Mixed logo tees, the Be Your Mixed Ass Self totes and water bottles, practice radical self-care t-shirts if you want, the Mixed and Hella lines are back up there, and you know, the holidays are coming, so you know, you know. I'll put up a um, Black Friday discount, you know, and Cyber Monday discount code for 20% off, Mixed20, M-I-X-E-D 20. If you use that code between Friday, November 26th, and Monday, November 29th, we will do Mixed 20, M-I-X-E-D 20, and you'll get 20% off on your t-shirt purchases um, or, you know, your purchases from militantlymixed.com. And that should be it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all I got. My birthday's in 10 days, so 44 is coming up. At the, at the comic book shop, so if you want to follow us on the Instagrams, you'll be able to see it. Uh, we are hosting a cosplay fashion show for my birthday. <laughs> um, so far, I have a couple of cosplayers that have signed up. I have a lot of people saying they're going to show up, but they haven't filled out the sign-up form yet, so we'll see what happens. But the way that I'm celebrating my birthday is at the shop here in Houston, 2306 Stewart Street. Uh, we're having a cosplay fashion show from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. We'll be able to post some pictures on the Instagram and stuff like that for y'all to check out. But yeah, I don't know how many listeners I have in the Houston area. I would like to meet some of y'all since I'm out here. And of course, I will do some live tapings of Militantly Mix here at the shop too at some point. Um, so while Houston isn't one of our highest download cities, it is where I currently live. So if you are in the Houston area, come meet, come out and meet Maine. Um, I'm at the Coast Cosmos comic book shop from Wednesdays through Sundays, 2306 Stewart Street, right off of Emancipation Avenue in the Third Ward. Um, come meet me. Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah. I'm hoping to close out this year really, really strong, even though it's been a tough year financially for the show. Um, I'm trying to make some moves to be able to keep this going and not reduce any of the quality or reduce any of the content as a result. So we'll see. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep trying. That being said, it is a fan-sponsored podcast, and if you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed, and that link is always in the show notes. Um, you can support the show as low as a dollar a month to as high as anything you wish, and there's different reward levels depending on what you choose. If you donate at the $5 a month level or more, you can watch a video version of the episode starting with episode 142. Those are exclusive to the $5 and above donations. And if you would like to support the show, but you don't want to commit to a monthly or annual sponsorship, you can go to paypal.me slash militantlymixed and drop some coins in that tip jar just to let me know that the show is meaningful to you and, um, and that you like it, you love it, and you want some more of it. Um, 
And then, of course, there's always the merchandise on, on the militantlymixed.com website. This is how you support the show, including sharing with your friends, retweeting, regramming. If you take a screenshot of, of your phone when you're listening to it and put that up on the Instagram and tag me in it, I will respond to those as well. Um, put it in your stories, things like that. That also helps grow the show because the more people who listen to it, the more opportunities we will have for funding um, to keep it going. And I think that's pretty much it for now. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our latest cousin to the Militantly Mixed family, Leah Cook. by Leah and why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and uh, let's get into it yeah I love the new name by the way um, <laughs> so excited for you um so I am Leah Co Graham and um I just moved to Los Angeles a few months ago from Chicago um, but prior to this I've been in the Midwest pretty much my whole life mm. And uh, my mom is Chinese and my dad is a white boy. It's <laughs> <laughs> like kind or is it just a regular old white boy? <laughs> I have lots of other names, but I was like, hmm, which one should I choose? We'll just go with that one. <laughs> a bit mild for now. Um, so yeah, and I grew up in a an extremely small town in southern Indiana, like a, a village basically of 500 people. So we were the only. Oh man. Yeah, it was yeah, rough. We were the only non, you know, completely white family in right. the whole area. Not just you know the town, but like the county. People would come in briefly and then leave. No one knows why. <laughs> <laughs> But we were the only ones that like <laughs> stayed for forever, sadly. So yeah, so that's a little bit about me. So was it a military? I don't want to make the assumption because I also come from a white Asian military family situation. Is that okay. how it happened? No, no, I mean, that's the the, that's the know, stereotype. Often, yes, um, my dad was in the military, but that's not how they met. They actually met at church. I always say sarcastically that it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> fetishization heaven <laughs> i'd say that dripping with sarcasm um yeah so they met um so my, so my mom's parents uh immigrated from china and then started on the west coast and then long series of events they ended up owning a laundromat in southern indiana that was just um a location that they sourced um that didn't have that those services and so my family was my mom's side was the first Chinese family in that area oh, okay. um, but yeah so my dad mom and dad met at church um so yeah not the typical you know meeting overseas but pretty much everything else that could be stereotyped or assumed of a white man Asian female like mm -hmm. 15 year age gap um the greatest I mean, hits yeah, I mean, I, you know, 
pretty much have come to the conclusion that I'm, you know, I'm like a child of yellow fever, mm -hmm. um, that whole thing. So those yeah. definitely apply Yeah, <laughs> in all of their horror. <laughs> and I, I assume that because we've talked a little bit before about sort of the, just the last couple of years that you've been um, getting involved in mixed spaces that you're, you're starting to unpack probably stuff that you hadn't really known to acknowledge, maybe even known to acknowledge. Back yeah, when I mean, it, it wasn't until really the last maybe five years that I even had close friends who were multiracial and not even like close to my particular, but just multiracial in general, where there was some understanding. Um, but then the last couple years, I made a really close friend in Chicago, the one that I was telling you should also be on the show. So hopefully we can get, get him on here at some point. Um, but he's really helped me understand. And then I found like the Midwest Mixed Conference. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, there's a lot about fetishization and a lot about my parents' relationship that I'm really just starting to understand at like almost 40. And it's it's funny too because through the show at the different times of 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 the show there's either been like the really really young crowd who um they're you know they've been able to talk about it a little bit earlier than a lot of us that are in the 40 and up range right. and and they feel like they're just now getting like oh I'm so behind and I'm just like a whole 44 year old going yeah you're behind um right. you know right. like, well we're only still, I knew what you yeah knew, right like we're, we're right? unpacking right now yeah, yeah. um well, so it's, it's hard there, there aren't I mean there aren't a lot of resources or they're hard to find mm -hmm. right like now I'm realizing there's these books and communities and different things, podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. But it took a while of searching to even find out where yeah. that exists. Like know? even just in the last five years, because when I first wanted to do the show, there weren't any mixed race podcasts. And then a couple of years later, when I finally had the courage to press record, there were a few dead podcasts, like, you know, six episodes maybe, and then they never put up another one again or or it was more um like uh, journalistic things like mixed in america from some news platform wow. uh, or mixed people in america or something like that and i just hated that if the stories were being told by us they were being they were gone they you know they weren't active and if they were right. being told by others it was like there's these hybrid people amongst us type of like storyline and that right. was just in the last five or so years the show's been going on for the last three years now and now there's a ton of mixed race podcasts and there were books but they were few and far between or they were very academic in nature so like up until I started the show the only mixed race book I had ever read that I knew was specifically about mixed people was an uh, an academic book by Naomi Zak right. and um, for the longest time she was the only name I knew like the only name that well, I knew in that world. And a lot of, I mean, and I'm not trying to be like rude here, but a lot of those books are also written by monoracial people and they're, they're not right. great. They're yeah. interpreting, there's like assumptions being made or like ways that they're interpreting data or interviews that I'm like, Wait, right. what? You, you came or, to what conclusion? <laughs> even if it was a biracial person, they were coming from the perspective of their white half of their mix. Right. Um, and that was a struggle for me too because it was yeah. just like they're othering themselves and othering us in the process of writing about us as an other it was just too many things yeah. you know and, I mean I think that's a huge another piece of why I think it's taken me so long to unpack some of these things is because 
I was like gaslit out of my identity my whole life, right? right? Growing up in whiteness. I mean, and this came from my dad, this came from like relatives, like mm-hmm. my my Chinese relatives, this came from lots of different sides. Right. Where it was like, oh, you're not, you're not Chinese, you're white. And so I think even, and I never believed that. I never mm-hmm. identified it, that. But mm-hmm. when you constantly have people questioning and gaslighting you about your authenticity, mm-hmm. it makes it hard to really like move past that in a like substantial way. I don't right. know if that makes sense, but. No, it does. And a lot of us, the way we maneuver, and I think maybe for, for any of us that are mixed Asian, I mean, I don't have a very explicit Asian appearance I have coloring maybe and hair but unless I'm standing next to my Japanese family it's not clear necessarily that I'm I'm an Asian mix and um but then someone like my mom or someone like you who looks like an Asian person with slightly bigger eyes or you know like that kind of thing like same with my my family too like they all have like Asian shaped eyes but they're bigger than like my grandma's eyes or something like that or you know smaller smaller nose mouth and bigger faces because we all got these big old wide faces faces. um (laughs) my big my big moon face and my bowling ball head uh like all that that kind of stuff that that we have like we maneuver we're like this patchwork quilt of whatever it is we're mixed with but then we we just want someone to identify us. Like, I see that you're this thing and that you're something else or that I can see what that something else is. But it's like, it's gotta be one or the other. Yes. You're vaguely Asian. So I'm gonna go ahead and say you're Asian. You're vaguely white. So I'm gonna go ahead and say you're white. And, and that can be just so infuriating because it takes you out of the decision. Yes, exactly. Which, I mean, I know we, we all, pretty much all of us deal with this, but yeah, it's like to my white side of the family. I mean- except for my dad, he's a whole nother case on all levels. But, you know, my other relatives, it's like, I, we were definitely othered as like Asian, like mm-hmm. hardcore. Yeah. But then, yeah, the Chinese side have been like, a lot of them have been so bad about like, I mean, I had a cousin recently that told me, I, I was talking about um, possibly changing my last name to my mom's family name, which is Ko. And, um, she was like, well, you know, what are you going to change it to? Because their last name is Wong. And so I said, Ko, and she was like, oh, good, because you're not a Wong, which was my mom's maiden name. And I'm like, you know what? Uh-huh. You know what you can do? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, you don't get to tell me. Like, if no. it's, yeah. Like, you're literally telling me, like, I'm not a part of your family. Like, what the hell? So, but yeah, I mean, it's only been in, in really just in the past year or two that I've, because I've gotten those comments my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just been in the past year or two that I've like really like taken a firm stance of like, no, like that's, I don't even want to call it a microaggression because I think it's, it's like an great, yeah, micro about it. It's, it's a macro super aggressive. Yeah. No, <laughs> so I, like I think there's a lot of things words. that we call microaggressions that are clearly like, overly aggressive like, aggressions right yeah. yeah I'm like that's racist that's mono racism and no absolutely I, not like you're ripping our skin away from us almost by making these decisions or you know our like, culture like all the things I've even referred to it and I know some people will think oh that's like too radical but I've referred to it as like ethnocide like ethnocide is like erasing someone's like identity language culture heritage and that's what I feel like people are doing when they're like imposing 
on me that mm -hmm. that I'm white. I'm like, you have no idea what I've experienced in my life, right? Like I grew up with a KKK like sympathizing father. Like I have racial trauma from Don't my you life. just love the white family member that is overtly racist but married a yellow or brown person like it just Ugh. we all got one i i know it that happens all the time a lot of too. us have something. yeah and yet people just think there's so many people out there that are like oh like that shows you're not racist like i had an aunt that recently told me that um they didn't believe that she didn't believe that my dad was like racist because he married my mom like that was the proof that's all you need and I was just like <laughs> a big sigh. Like I can I like there's this meme that shows a peacock with its like feathers all out, like I'm a male peacock and it's like rolling my ass eyeballs. <laughs> all 100 of my ass eyeballs. <laughs> That's how I felt. <laughs> I've never seen that. That's awesome. <laughs> giant sigh. <laughs> right. Like, this again <laughs> there's so many things and you know it's funny too because i think like at this point i had to have heard them all like at this point i had to have heard them all and no one's gonna get me again and then just in the last couple of years I, I i talked about it on another episode but um a white woman who's wearing really dark glasses like the kind of glasses they give you after you have like a cataract or something like that oh yeah, yeah, yeah. she uh we were talking and she was patting herself on the back about some sort of anti-racism work she was doing um and then i had i had said something about like something that made it obvious that i was a person of color and she goes oh are you a woman of color and i just never i didn't know how to deal with it so i was just sitting here like what and then she takes her glasses down and she goes oh you are i thought Stop you were it. regular and i i didn't I, wait she said i thought you were regular i thought you were a reg a regular so like even worse than i thought you were regular like i thought you were a regular i thought you were a normal human yeah being. so i'm just like well first of all what is a regular like oh obviously you mean a white woman but like i can't deal with i can't deal with someone thinking i'm a white woman but that you would refer to that as a, a regular like kicked my butt and this was just in the last like three and so I was definitely doing the show since then. So it was just like in the last two to three years before COVID, right before COVID, I think. I'm sorry. And That's I was just so like humanizing. <laughs> I mean, like so dehumanizing. It is. And you just think you're like, I think me, you know, up until recently, I changed the mix, the moniker to Mixanti May. But up until recently, I was like, I'm mixed girl Maine. You're not going to shake me with this. Like I do, this is the stuff I do. And then someone says something like that to me and I'm a puddle of. They're so creative. It's Black amazing. Are so creative with their racism. I'm like, yeah. imagine what you could do in the world if you put your creativity, <laughs> put your, work. your creative energy towards something like positive. Right. Imagine. Imagine. It's, but it no. is amazing. And the <laughs> fact, like, it's always a surprise when, like, when whiteness is undoing whatever our uh, brownness is. Um, because they know that they can see this as different. Like they know that they can, and they know that we can't walk around and maneuver as a white person at any given time. Like there's a, no circumstance in which you or I, with the faces that we have, could maneuver a space and someone would legitimately think of us as white people. Right. I mean, but I, I've had those moments too recently. Like I had a super duper close, the uh, ex-close friend, like one of my best friends who got really aggressive with me about telling me that I was white passing. And I'm just like, I can count on one hand in four decades, the number of times someone has thought that I'm white. 
like it's less than five (laughs) like it's not many at all and but she was like super aggressive about it and I was just like like don't try to tell me what my experiences are but it shook me like I literally and I, I I don't hate to admit this but but I am kind of like I guess not embarrassed, but I was surprised at how Mm -hmm. much that got to me. And Mm -hmm. I think it was because it was someone so close to me, but I literally was like looking in the mirror, like, do I, is that what people see? You know, just like questioning what people see when they look at me, even though, like I said, it's almost never happened. And what does happen all the time is people speaking to me in Spanish or people like, (laughs) you know, so now you're in LA, it's going to happen way more. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like so much. (laughs) so much like my first week here it was like I was looking at apartments and this woman who didn't even speak conversational English the neighbor comes bursting into the apartment and she goes Mexico and I was like what the what why are you yelling at me she was like from um she was from somewhere in Europe she was like a little old like auntie like grandma in a nighty like sitting on her porch and I was like, why is she screaming Mexico? And then I was like, oh. Oh, because she's racist. That's great. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Anyway. No, it's definitely going to happen to you. I, so I don't know what the the um, Latin American diasporic population of Indiana is, but I do know LA and you are going to get it all the time. <laughs> time in LA. Isn't that, I mean, that was one of the things that really um, blew my mind, I guess, in a new way. I can't remember which episode it was uh, of, of yours. Mm. but it was someone that grew up who was this that grew up overseas and lived in a Venezuelan oh so that was Ayumi um they are Venezuelan and Japanese they grew up in Brazil and Philippines and yes I think it was I'm pretty sure it was that episode um but it just as you all were talking it was like oh my gosh like it just hit me again like how we're perceived so differently Mm -hmm from region to region, from country to country. And then we have to try to figure out how people are, I mean, if we are are racially ambiguous, Mm -hmm. right? Um, We have to figure out how people are reading us and figure out the context, the racial dynamics and Mm -hmm. of that environment, and then try to figure out how to navigate. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's so much. So yeah, yeah, like moving out here, it's, it's a different experience than than what I had in Chicago not not drastically different mm-hmm. but still yes much more reading me as, as I would Latina. I would get um Spanish a lot and um and when I would reply that I don't speak Spanish I'd get that offense face of, of right. just like how dare you you know and then like then, you're like you're being snooty yeah and then I and then I would be like I'm Japanese and black like sorry right. you know and then I'm apologizing that I'm black and Japanese like what it doesn't make any sense um and then people just wouldn't believe me. So there was that too. Like I get, oh. I get people who won't believe me. They're like, you know, you're obviously, um, you know, and it's usually like Puerto Rican or Dominican or Mexican. Those are the three, yes. the three that I get. Um, yeah. And then here in Houston though, I live in a predominantly black neighborhood. So I've only been spoken Spanish to one time since I've been here, which is such a huge change for me. Cause it's usually okay. almost constant. And even with the, having a retail space, like it it's only been one time that a person walked in and asked me if I spoke Spanish and I said I didn't and then they looked at me and I said Japanese and black and they're like "Mm, okay but then they didn't speak English and so we were just like 
pointing to things and I was like <laughs> I was like um what are the words for books like I'm sitting here like I'm like I because I didn't even take Spanish in school I took French so I'm just like what what is it um the, you know it, it just I ended up picking things up and just being like this this right. you know like and I acted out I, I have no I don't even have basic Spanish and I even though I grew up in Southern California like I don't even have basic Spanish and, and so I kind of felt bad at that point that I didn't but I find that if they are a Spanish speaker, I apologize while se- telling them that I'm not whatever they think I was. So that and, it's not, they're not like offended or- offended. Yeah, and I'm like, why do I even apologize? I could just be like black and Japanese um, or American. We don't speak any other languages anyway. <laughs> you know, like I could do that, you know? Um, so sad. I speak so a little bit of French. I speak a little bit of Japanese. I can swear in Arabic. That's it, that's all I got. <laughs> um because I my my husband's Arabic and my my old best friends were Arabic so like I know the things that I can't say in front of Arabic people if I don't want to get the shit kicked out of me uh, because (laughs) the kids taught me how to say really bad things um and so like that's all I know uh so I don't really speak any Spanish at all like I maybe have four or five words like that's that's how little it for a language that I can hear often it's it's really bad that I don't have any of it um retained at all uh but you know it happens all the time and I thought you know maybe if my hair was straighter it'd be less like that but it's still like even in LA all the time it would happen um but now it doesn't and it's weird like I'm 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 closer to Mexico than I was right yeah like I'm than I was a few you know months ago but um but yeah it doesn't it doesn't happen all the time but I've had like Dominicans scream at me for denying that I'm that I'm that I'm like to say yeah. I'm not Dominican and they're like you are look at your face and stuff and I'm like I oh promise God. you like I'm like I want them to know like this is the thing that I got I don't got the thing you got I got this thing um so That's it's happened rough. I'm sorry you have to deal with that I mean well I would rather be screamed at, at by a Dominican who thinks I'm Dominican for wanting me to be Dominican <laughs> than <laughs> Than a white person that's just like, what are you, you other? I need to pick a t-. you know, like honestly, if I had to choose, does that show? Does that show how much we're over <laughs> whiteness that you would rather be like, like bring me the Dominicans that will brain? scream at me? <laughs> you know, like, hmm, I choose a. <laughs> I'm like, come on, uh, you know, and you know what? If it came down to it. I'll move to the DR. I'll start waving the flag. I'll eat the food. Like <laughs> I got no problems there. I just don't yeah, speak Spanish. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if the Dominicans want me and the Japanese don't, maybe we'll make a trade. I don't hey. know. Maybe there's a Dominican that the baseball player that the Japanese really want, and we could just go ahead and. I mean, swap. Um, maybe it's a whole put, thing. Maybe <laughs> include me in the deal because I <laughs> just like I'm up for trade too because I don't feel like my. East Asian people want me either. So, <laughs> it, you know, that's been the struggle for me the longest. Like, I can I identify with my blackness. I'm accepted in blackness. I'm comfortable in it. Um, but with my Japanese, well, with Japanese, it's it's two layers of well, maybe three. There is Japanese aren't joiners in terms of Asian Americanness. Okay. Like they are um, assimilators. So like, you don't even have many Japanese communities. There's San Francisco, San Jose, and LA. And then there used to be Washington, DC. But there's not a whole lot of places that have like Japanese communities where Japanese people live and shop and work and all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I lived in the Jap in one of the two Japanese communities in LA, but even then I felt removed there. And the only time I really got to experience anything was when I'd go to the grocery store, the Japanese grocery store. And, you know, I would perform my Japanese-ness there, but I wasn't Japanese. I was an other, you know? Um, so, so with Japanese, I really struggled. Then if I tried to join like Asian American groups in high school or college or whatever, it was sort of like, it was the, it was both being mixed and being Japanese specifically because everybody in those Asian American groups were usually Chinese, Korean, and Filipino. Right. Um, and and it wasn't like them. So animosity. Yeah. And like, you know, you have, you do have to think of as, as a Japanese walking into an Asian space, you do have to think about what Japan did across right. Asia. Right. So I wasn't aware of that when I was younger, I was just yeah. trying to join with other yellow people. Cause I'm yellow too. And I'm like, Hey, let's be yellow together. You know, like You're literally like, multiple levels of side eye which yeah. is hard and I didn't it's understand really it and it took yeah. you know time and education and stuff like that and so I became more cautious entering Asian American spaces yeah. um I did end up joining an Asian American podcasting association and um I have been accepted there and more than that encouraged to like be my Japanese-ness and you know like allow that to 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 allow me to occupy space that way. Um, and that's been really emotional and strange and uncomfortable at times because I don't know how to be welcomed yeah. by Asians, if that makes sense. Um, um, so like I try to do that amongst us, us mixed Asians through the show, like make a welcoming space for mixed Asians, but it's weird to go into other people's Asian spaces or Asian American right. spaces and be like, I'm claiming this, I'm owning this. Um, and then the, the apologeticness kicks in because it's like, I'm sorry I'm Japanese because of the past you know yeah. like it's not because I'm sorry like I enjoy my Japanese-ness but so it's complex it is and it's weird yeah. to be a, a a brown colonizer you know like yeah. to come from brown colonizers and stuff like that so um and then on the other side I'm, we're British so <laughs> um right. you're like colonizers everywhere yeah it's just like I can't escape it so um so there you know there's that kind of stuff too so at least within militantly mixed and with these conversations I have with other mixed Asians too it's like you and I probably have a lot more in common than me and Japanese people sure. or you and Chinese people because right. we have been a watered down version of what they expect Asian-ness to be like. Yeah, I don't know if I, I mean, I don't know if I consider it watered down though. I'm talking I, about from their perspective, not that we believe oh, ourselves see, to see, be. See, I'm sorry, I should have probably. Yeah, no, but, I yeah. see what you're saying. I think I'm, I, something I've, I've kind of been thinking about lately is the is how closed-minded folks are mm -hmm. by you know thinking oh to be Japanese has to look like xyz like these very you know tiny detailed, anime looking girls and stuff like that yeah like anything from body type to language to where you live to yeah like I mean all all the things I'm mm -hmm. just like you know what that's actually really narrow-minded mm -hmm. and that's really helped me to, to think of like the Chinese diaspora. I'm like, mm -hmm. we're everywhere. And Literally. there are mixes of, there are like Chinese Cubans and there are mm -hmm. like, you know, now there's all these, I mean, this is problematic as hell, but there's all these like Chinese folks in Africa now, you know, common. Right, right. Um, but like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and having babies. and But I mean, even historically, like decades ago, like we're, we're all over the place, yeah. but- to only conceive of Asianness as this monoracial, yeah. well, I mean, even that, I'm like, who's really monoracial? Even right. that, I'm like, I don't even think 
that is legit like who right. is actually mono like everybody like, migrated from from this someplace so and everybody's mixed somewhere along the line i mean like <laughs> the majority of people um but but yeah i think just conceiving of it it's like wow that's a really close-minded way to conceive of whatever it is right yeah. it, it helps me not take it to heart so much because it is hard even as yeah. much as I try to be like solid and confident in my identity right you know that people are are looking at you like like you're saying mm -hmm. as if you're not enough and yeah. especially with Asian folks like I love us but there's a there's high expectations there's a, a lot of work to do oh I think we, well we have a couple as Americans we have a couple different layers of separation too because um, we're not Asian in Asia we're right. Asian here so right. we we've, we've adopted a monoracial identity amongst immigrant Asians, I guess, here as not we, you and I, but the yeah. society at large. Right. Yeah. And um, and so like we we have to kind of like as you and I entering those spaces, we have to adopt something that we wouldn't even be able to naturally adopt if we were back home. Right. Um, that's exactly what I, again, another recent realization with some of these um, Chinese family members that were like literally giving me shit. Like I, I recently confronted a bunch of them about telling me that I was white, telling me I wasn't a Wong, all of these things. Cause it's this whole, like my, my mom's fam, my mom's side of the family, there are four siblings and three of them did not marry Chinese folks. Mm. So they're like, I have two sets of Blasian cousins, you know, an aunt and uncle, an uncle that married black spouses. And then my mom married white. So like the majority of the family is multi mixed. Yeah. They're going to like give You're us shit and like act superior. Yeah. And so it just dawned on me. I was like, if you motherfuckers were in China, you'd be an ABC. Yeah. American born Chinese, which yeah. is derogatory. Right. Yeah. Y'all would be an ABC in china and we like, would be fetishized down, because you want to punch down on me yeah because i'm multiracial i'm like fuck out of here i'm tired of these games the these, other like, thing authenticity games yeah the other thing that's frustrating in terms of asianness um and i experienced this on on the japanese side um and then i've talked to people on various asian mixes that feel the same way too is this idea that like mixing with anybody makes you not asian whatever your Asian is, right? Whereas yeah. like here in America, there's literally this thing that white people created called the one drop rule that said, if you even were a drop of black blood, you were black right. and you flip it on that side. So yeah. if we're mixed with both of these countries, you know, or both of these different societies or whatever, in America, I'm black because I have a black dad. One and in, drop. One right. drop, yeah. yeah. And in, in Japan, I'm not Japanese because I'm mixed with something else. Right. So are you telling me that like blackness and or whiteness is so potent and powerful that it squashes Asian, your Asian genetics? Because that tells me that you don't think Asian genetics are superior. You know what I'm saying? Like it's so backwards. Like at least with yeah. white people with the one drop rule, they were, they were, they were kind of like explicitly like that's some powerful shit. So I'm going to go ahead and call you all that, you know, yeah. they were more explicit about it. Whereas like in Japan, it's like, are you really telling me that you think that because I'm mixed with black and white, because I do have mixed with white in there too, um, that that means that like it thwarts 
Right. My Japanese, no, that's like, a really good point. My hair is Japanese. My my skin tone is Japanese. Where do you think I get this from? You know, like, where yeah. did I get this from? This defeated black, like in terms of <laughs> I could have been darker skinned, right? Right. Um, right so right. trying to explain that to, to like that kind of dyed in the wool Asian that is just like, we must maintain purity. Right. Well, and that was something with one of these aunts that I called out the one who was like your dad we don't believe you that your dad was racist then you know we I was confronting her about the whole like telling me I'm white and how hurtful that was and how inappropriate and she was like sticking by her guns and just like well you just have to accept it and I was like no I don't have to do shit yeah I don't but thank you for trying you don't get to tell me she had the thought you know because her kids are dating she raised they raise their kids in like a town that's like 97% white and they're dating, you know, 99% chance they'll, they'll marry someone white. And it dawned on her, right? She was yeah. like, I guess they'll, she, she made this little side comment. I guess they'll do the same to my grandkids. I'm like, yeah, oh, duh. They yeah. Will. yeah. Will you come to your senses then? And maybe think that you should like rethink how you're treating multiracial people. Time will tell, but I'm right. out. <laughs> this, yeah. this, it's too late for me here because it's, I can't wow. keep doing this, you know? It's so much work. It's so exhausting. And when you have to do it with your own family too, it's even more frustrating because it's just like, these are the people that you expect are supposed to care about you. Yeah, I have like, here are my options. KKK sympathizing, Blue Lives Matter, redneck motherfuckers on one side. And these fuckers on the other you're side. not Chinese enough yeah and I'm just like this is a nightmare I so guess. you find your mixed tribe and then you move on because that's the option yeah like what and I mean you add a layer so in my 20s I, I spent a lot of time overseas um a couple years in South Africa which was like completely life-changing and then I ended up getting a, a master's in in African-American and African studies and then got really involved with like activism black lives matter and so i mean like i think that's a complicating layer not that i'm black i know i'm not black but just my investment in the community and and my advocacy like i think that really confuses people too and is mm. probably another yet another strike against, strike against on my east asian side because we all know there's hella anti-blackness yeah in a lot of asian communities but i think it's like yet one more strike i'm too loud i'm too noisy <laughs> i'm pro-black people like yeah. how i'm almost 40 and never been married don't have kids like how much you know how many other ways can i disappoint my <laughs> my chinese relatives <laughs> let's see <laughs> right yeah i know sometimes there is a little bit of that too just be like i'm gonna go a totally different way for this just just for you <laughs> like just dedicated to <laughs> Name, name, and dedication. I just I mean, it has been intentional. It's just sure. like I'm living my life, and I'm not yeah. going to not do it because you're going to disapprove. But imagine, and like, what are the options for you now? If you're not Chinese enough, and you marry a Chinese person, are you downgrading their Chineseness because you know for them, or on the white side too? Like, if you end up marrying a white person and partnering and having babies, are you downgrading their whiteness? Or if you go with a black partner, if you, you know, like, or, or a different kind of Asian, because we got that problem too, right? Like, I had a crush on a, on a half a Korea, and um, my, my grandma let me have it, you know? Um, so fucking complicated. So, like, it's, it's just, yeah, you can't. I remember 
I mean, this was probably almost 20 years ago at this point, but one of my brother's white friends asked me if I date outside of my race. Oh, and yeah. I was like early 20s, still didn't really know, you know, was yeah. like hadn't really processed through a lot of this. But I just looked at him like so many questions. What are you perceiving my race to be? Right. I live in a town that has like 0.5% Asian people. That's monoracial Asian people. Like there are no, I, I don't know any multiracial Asian white folks except my brothers. Right, <laughs> so exactly. So opposite. my option are my brother or. So yes, I do date out of my race because <laughs> like. <laughs> Unless there's a mixed Chinese white yeah folk dating <laughs> thing or whatever like you know not like just running around everywhere in southern indiana right it's not like i had a whole pool of them so i but i just looked at him like i don't even know what the fuck that means because first i have to know how you're reading me yeah you know so yeah but then i think because i do you know date interracially because that really is like my only option or, or has been, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, then you get all these other dynamics and there's a lot of fetishization, not just of me being Asian, but of me being multiracial right, that and Asian. Too. So mm -hmm. there's like a double, I feel like dose of fetishization and it's just so hard to figure out how people are coming at you, yeah. which it is, a, it can be great. Well, when you start doing, when you start thinking about dating, it can be gross. Um, when I, so my husband is half white and, and Arabic and I mentioned something about us being interracial relationship before. And he's like, are we? And I'm like, I'm like, you and I are, we don't have the same things in us at all. And he's like, yeah, but like, we're both pale. And so like, that's his level of just like, he wasn't even thinking about it. And then, you know, my, my ex-girlfriend was black and Puerto Rican. And somebody asked me about being in an interracial relationship with her. And I was like offended because I was thinking of myself in, in black terms. And so I was just uh, like, what? And I was like, cause I'm Japanese. You're like, that's not me. Yeah. So like, it was just so confused. So like, even internally for me, what I would think of as an inter interracial relationship would be my half Arabic, half white husband. But when I dated a black girl, I didn't think of that as interracial, even though we right. would read as interracial if, people, if we were walking down the street. Right, and, right, right. Um, yeah, so weird. I think that speaks to because it sounds like you grew up in a lot of black. I grew up right? in blackness, yeah, yeah, primarily how you did identify or do identify I still early. do, yeah. I mean, yeah. I always, I always say that it's hierarchical for me, so like I am black first and then I'm Japanese and then yeah. you can bring in the white stuff, but um, um, but yeah, I that my culture is black, so I identify and that way. I think that's something that especially monoracial folks have so much trouble. I don't know if they have trouble wrapping their minds around it or if they have trouble accepting it. Because mm -hmm. I think or they just don't want to. Or they don't want to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think that's what I said. I think they just, yeah, they just yeah. don't want to accept it. Um, yeah, just, be, you know, because that was a, a huge part for me as well. Like, even though I grew up in this very white area, my mom was the main, I mean, like 90%, 95% of like, our time was spent yeah. with our mom and and especially for me as like I had you know two brothers um but especially as like the only girl I spent a ton of time with my mom and so that's and in a white community we were 
othered, you know, comments. Right, yeah. Like we were very much seen as not white. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, yeah, so that's like primarily how that, I, I guess that's my hierarchical, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, my primary identity. And I think that's why it sucks so much when, because I was very much raised, I might be this like outspoken activist now, but like I was raised very much to be like the proper yeah. <laughs> Asian girl, like same, no yeah. talking back, no tones, no. And then there was a layer of like conservative evangelicalism on top of that. Mm -hmm. So it was like deep, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, really deep about how what proper behavior looked like for me right and it's just been over the years that I've come out of that <laughs> much yeah. to many people's <laughs> like what the disappointment yeah. and disapproval I've gotten very loud and opinionated yeah. which I always was I just had that squashed mm -hmm. um but but yeah I think that's why it also is so upsetting and offensive when people try to take that away from me mm -hmm. and it like erases all of the experiences right mm -hmm. if you try to tell me I'm white like it erases all of the experiences with racism yeah you know my 30 plus years in southern Indiana mm -hmm. like I mean I literally grew up in a town where the clan was still meeting in the town square openly like <laughs> without fear like 15 minutes away yeah and not that they ever like fucked with us but that was the environment yeah um and so and you know like I mentioned my dad being like super racist and stuff yeah. so it's like you're erasing all of these like very tr like things that are good <laughs> about my culture and mm -hmm. like being Chinese and things that are wonderful and I love and then also like these very traumatic experiences but you're yeah. just like you're whitewashing all of that yeah not you obviously but when people the, try to the outside you yeah 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 this identity on me that I'm like no that that doesn't fit but people somehow feel like yeah <laughs> they um, get to decide and yeah like, and on. I don't know what it'll take for people to stop doing that so the way I do it is just try to gum up the works you know by like if someone asks me what I am or where I'm from I do the whole like oh California well, mm -hmm. you know, Long Beach, uh, Sacramento. I was born in Sacramento. I grew up in Long Beach. I'm a military <laughs> kid, so I also grew up, you know, so I'll do that whole thing to like exhaust yes. them until they realize the question you're asking is stupid and offensive and you don't deserve that information. Yeah. Um, and once that started to fit, once that clicked in, it was just like, you know, if I got to gum up the works, it's, it actually kind of gets fun after a while too. Um, <laughs> the point to do that to someone and watch them struggle because watch they're them like, get I want to erase this question, but I don't want to say it. You right. know, like Try to figure thing. out how to like reframe their yeah. coded language. Yeah. It's like, you're not going to trick me, Bubba. Like, you know, <laughs> you're, like, you know you're not going to do it. You're uh, like, I know that, you know, that yeah. I know. Let's <laughs> And, you know, I said Bubba, but it's usually a Karen and, um, and usually it is just like, oh, but I couldn't possibly, it's obviously because I'm interested in you that I'm, you know, and stuff like that. And, it, and I've had to tell a few people like, you know, I know what you're trying to ask. Yeah. I'm trying to point out to you that you don't deserve that information um, yeah, and that you it. shouldn't ask that because it's very triggering for a lot of us. And you just happen to hit the one person that is going to be able to 
to thwart you on this this right. time you know um right. but i don't want you to do that to someone else because right. I, what if they're not going to be able to be vocal like me you're gonna learn um, today you're gonna learn today exactly <laughs> um yeah. so yeah it's usually a karen um sometime a, a man if a man does it it's usually because they're picking up asian vibes and they want to know if i'm the right kind of Japanese wife, um, which has been asked before. Uh, but yeah. they usually don't care about what my thing is. They just want to, you know, it's, it's just the, the, how can Straight I finish up, asked you if you, were... Oh yeah. I've had, I've had a couple of people ask me, um, in different ways, but the, the way that it was asked is basically like, are you a proper Japanese wife? Hell no, motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not full Japanese. So I guess if, if you mean full, I'm not proper. But if you mean fill in the blank races idea, oh. no, you know, stuff like that. So, so meaning are you submissive and docile and passive? If you're all of the sexual, um, yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. And can my family own you? Yeah, basically. Yeah. And, um, and, yeah, and actually sometimes up. that's been asked to, to my husband too, like, you know, that that's been asked of him um wait like about it, you about me yeah did oh did, did he get the jap like is the japanese side more or is the black side more these um, are things that just make me be like i hate i hate the world, world. <laughs> i mean really so yeah it's so it's like so... i try not to live there but really i'm just like what the fuck is wrong with yeah that? like the earth is trash but um but it is what it is uh but we are getting a little bit close to the to the end of our thing so what i'd like to ask all all of my uh guests is uh what you love most about being mixed since what we have established is that we what we don't love about being yeah. mixed is people being trash um outside of that what do you do love about being mixed um what do I love about being mixed? I think I, I mean, I don't know if this is particular to being mixed, but I think these days I just love being myself and not letting anybody define like what box I'm supposed to be in. Right. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, not that I can't be rattled. We talked about that, but I do think after a lot, a lot of years of work, um, I can't, I, not that I purposely try to confuse people, but it's just like, yeah, if you don't get it, why I, why I can identify as like Chinese only sometimes, but I would mm -hmm. never identify as white only. If that mm -hmm. feels off to you or confusing, it's not my problem. Yeah. Go wrestle with it. Yeah. I, I think I kind of like, I guess I kind of. You're like, here's some chalk. There's a chalkboard. Go work out. <laughs> Go work it out for yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, sometimes I guess I've kind of grown to like. Uh, not that I think I'm some like special little snowflake, but I like that I mess with people's minds a little bit, right? Or like, um, I read a I read a um, study recently or saw it. I don't I don't think I read the whole thing, but it was talking about how multiracial people take more. I think they called it like cognitive work than monoracial yeah. people to interact with yeah. right because people are trying to figure out how the identity works and what how to stereotype us and what <laughs> boxes to put us in right yeah, yeah and so i think um yeah i just kind of enjoy just kind of like 
being me in their face and they can and go forcing them to work the muscle and they can <laughs> go they work do. it out yeah, kind of yeah. Like you were saying like i don't have to explain i don't have to give you the answers i don't have to make sense to you that's not my job like your feelings are not my responsibility your level of knowledge or lack thereof is yeah. not my responsibility i'm just gonna be me and if you choke on it you choke on it yeah and i love the idea of like keeping a karen up at night because three years later she still doesn't know what i am yes and i did yes <laughs> karen karen's been on her 1263rd day of insomnia yeah she's, she's like raging. we just sat together on the plane and she wouldn't tell me you know like <laughs> exactly i mean there are times when that can be frustrating, right? Or cause pain. We've talked about all that. Right, but for the right. most part, I'm just like, you know what? I don't fit in a box and I'm just going to own that and um, do with it what you want or don't. Yeah. Bye. Like, Bye. just, yeah. It's Yeah. I think it's really, it's yeah. really freeing. And even sometimes the expectations, right? It's like, well, y'all want to tell me i'm not chinese so then don't put all your expectations on me you can't have yeah. both yeah because that's what i get right yeah. we want to like gaslight you about your identity but then we want to put all the same expectations that we put on chinese women onto you i'm like no right. you don't get both you don't get to do so both i'm just gonna i'm gonna like opt out of all of it yeah <laughs> i guess is a good way to put it so that's nice yeah um, like that. but yeah it just it feels good to just feel more comfortable in my skin. I think there's always more work to do, but just to feel more comfortable and and not worry so much about labels and boxes and just try to like blow the boxes open. Yeah. You know, mess the boxes up. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show with me and engaging. I know you've been on the group chat a couple of times and you've been engaging on the on the um group and the Facebook group and stuff like that so I hope you feel that you are a cousin because now that you have been Aww. on the show you are a cousin hey cuz um, <laughs> yeah. um, do you want to tell people how to find you or no because you don't have to um sure so I'm Leah l-e-a-h co k-o on Facebook I am on some other social media but I'm not super active I'm I guess I'm old <laughs> that dates me doesn't it <laughs> Facebooks. I'm on the Facebooks. I'm That's on the Facebooks. <laughs> the social media Facebooks. <laughs> I haven't figured out the tickety talks yet. Um, that's what I say. Like I like to watch the tickety talks, but I don't know how to make the tickety talks. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I am on Instagram and a couple other spots, but for some reason I just haven't gotten into it as much. So. <laughs> Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.